Uh, we want to say thanks uh, for choosing the Gateway Church on Memorial Day weekend. And if you were with us last Sunday, you know that we started a new series where we're moving from more expository preaching, which is line-by-line line preaching, to a series which is more topical in nature. And for those of you that were here and came back, give yourselves a hand, all right? <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. And you say, well, what's up with that, right? If you weren't here last week and you haven't heard, uh, for the next five or six weeks, we are talking about the topic of money and giving and wealth. And we realize, we acknowledge right up front that this can be a tough topic to discuss because there are perceptions around. First, things like this, that all they ever talk about at the church is all they talk about is money. All right, how many have ever heard that, right? We've all heard that. Or maybe this, all they want is my money. And, uh, and we put that truth or that, that, those uh, misconceptions uh, to, to, to bed last week. We said, look, number one, God does not need your money. We, we realize that. And number two, at the Gateway Church, we don't want your money. That's not what this uh, message is about, and you need to listen to last week to kind of get the full idea of that. Another reason that this can be a tough topic is because of mis- uh, or incorrect mindsets about money or wealth. There can be pride saying, look, I'm the one that created this wealth, and, uh, and I'm the one that, that should be able to have control. Or there's a poverty mindset at times where, you know, there's, there's this idea that um, if someone has more than I do, uh, they have done something wrong. And there are misconceptions around that as well. And the truth is our mindset really should be focused on God's word and uh, really to have a mindset of gratitude no matter what our circumstances are. We learned last week that it's all about the heart. Will you say that with me? It's all about the heart. What God wants is your heart. But we understand that tied between, from your heart is there is a string connected to your wallet. Matthew 6, 21 says that. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And the heart of the matter is that this series is crafted for your benefit. Whether you're young or old, you can experience a blessed life as a result of putting the things that we're going to talk about into practice. Your marriages will be better if you're married. Your kids will be raised stronger. You will be more healthy. Your job situation will look different, all because of this series on money, wealth, and about giving. Now, we want to address the problem at hand. And the first problem that we talked about last week is that many of us, many of uh, many believers, are not aware of what Scripture says about money. The truth is, is that the amount of Scriptures that talk about money is really staggering. Over 2,400 times in Scripture, there are references to money and to giving. You say, boy, that's a lot. In fact, that's 36 times average Per book in the Bible, and we know some books don't address it at all, that's a lot of times that the idea or the topic of money is discussed. The second problem is that people are living in financial bondage. Even believers 
are living in financial bondage. I uh, say, you say, what does financial bondage look like? Well, here's a list that I found this week. Things like this, overdue bills, bad credit, anxiety and marital strife over money, greed or the love of money, families' needs going unmet, unemployment. These are all signs of financial bondage. How about this? Gambling, get-rich schemes or the lottery or self-indulgence, and we talked a little bit about that last week, uh, kingdom needs going unmet, or a heavy burden of debt. The reality is too many people are in bondage financially, and we need to address this. Ultimately, God wants your heart, and he can have your heart when you release your funds, your money, towards his purposes again matthew 6 21 and in order to do that we need to deal with selfishness we talked about this last week we need to deal with grief the grieving heart we need to develop a generous heart and a grateful heart those two things are really the goal of this entire series is that we would be able to understand and have a gratitude and to be generous and my promise to you throughout this series, is even though this is a topical message and some, some would say, oh, can you do that? Uh, we want to use God's word as our standard to bring a balanced approach based on scripture, and we're, we're going to do that. So I want to start with a question, and I want everybody, this is a test. We're, all of us are going to be a part of this. Have you ever showed up to a class? Now, some of you have to go back a little further since you've been in school. Have you ever showed up in school in some context where the teacher says, okay, clear your desk, get ready for today's test. How many have ever been there before? And you're like, what test, right? Everyone say, what test? <laughs> the chances of you passing that test are greater if you knew about the test in advance. In most cases, it gives you time to study. It gives you time to prepare. But what's interesting is that many believers do not know about a test that God gives us on a regular basis. Every time that you are paid, how many are paid weekly? You get a paycheck every week, all right? How many are paid bi-monthly or bi-weekly every other week? How many are paid once a month, all right? Yep. How many are paid on commission? How many of you guys are not paid at all? So sorry about that. Yeah, sorry, sorry about your luck. <laughs> Couple students, they're like, yeah, Candy Tiswell. I don't believe that for a second, uh, that you don't get a paycheck from your husband. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but I'm sure that does. But every time you're paid, there is a test. The test is this. Whom are you going to thank? Whom are you going to worship and honor with your income or with your increase. Now, some people, they thank Visa first or MasterCard every month. And the problem with that is, is that Visa or MasterCard does not have the power to bless your life. It's the truth. There is a test. Now, before we go any further, I want you to know the goal for this morning, I, and lock the doors, all right, so you no one can leave. I want everyone at the Gateway Church to pass this test. No apologies. The goal today is to get you to tithe, to give 10% of your increase to the local church. Now, the reality, the truth is, is that far too few people actually do tithe. 
This goes back about, uh, about 17 or 18 years ago. I ran across a statistic, and I tried to find one that was more up-to-date, and I couldn't find one. But back in 2000, um, there was a study of all of Americans uh, that are, they would call them evangelical Christians, and only 3% of people actually were tithing back then. Now, let's just say that that's improved slightly. I'm not sure. I couldn't find some up-to-date 2015 statistics in that way. But the reality is there are far too many people not tithing. And I don't want our church to be average in this area. I want us to excel in this area. And you say, well, why is that? Listen, I know it can seem somewhat self-indulging, saying, hey, give to the church and the church will do better. But listen, the reason I want you to tithe, it is for your benefit. Now, I want you to turn to the most famous passage about tithing, to Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to kind of set the stage here. Now you say this is the most famous. It may not be the best uh, spot to turn on uh, tithing, but it's certainly where we're going to start today. Uh, There are some things here that I think that you're going to see that maybe you've never seen before. We're actually going to start a little earlier in verse 6, earlier than most people do when they look at this verse. But look at what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 is where we'll start. This is God talking. He says, the Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, in light of this topic, I want you to know that God is not a God that changes his mind. And he he proves it. He says, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. See, the children of Israel, man, they were fickle. They were up and down and all around. They struggled in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and God says, look, if I would change, if I would change my mind towards you, that you're my people, that I love you, he said, I would, I would kill you. I would destroy you. you. You don't deserve to live. But he says, look, I do not change. Interesting thought to start this topic. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. That word decrees there is the word ordinance, which means a principle of ordinary behavior. So the way that you should ordinarily behave, you've turned away from that and you've not kept my decrees. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Good question. If God's saying, look, come back, you're saying, how should I come back, right? Listen, verse number eight. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we, how do we rob you? In tithes and in offerings. Verse nine. You are under a, cu- a curse. This is the result. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Therefore, this is the conclusion, or this is the, this is the challenge, this is the change that is needed. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that, my, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And verse 12 is often left off. Listen to what this is saying. What is the result? It says, then all the nations will call you blessed. So when people look at the children of Israel, they will call them blessed if they're faithful in this area. Why? For yours will be a delightful or yeah, delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Some say, man, that's Old Testament, Pastor. 
I'm a New Testament believer, and I get that, all right? We are too, I am too. But did you realize that these verses are only 15 verses away from the New Testament? I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you, God, that even with a tough topic on tithing, on giving, on money, on wealth, Lord, that you would just capture our hearts today. Lord, use my words to be your words, to pierce hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would receive the glory and honor as you do in heaven because of this. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. There's three things I want us to discuss. The first is this, that tithing is a test. And some people argue with this. Some people don't like the fact that God would do this. Some people don't get it. And all I got to say is, look, God, he gave us his son that died on the cross for you, for me, and all he asks back in return for eternity is for us to honor him with 10%. See, tithing is a test of your heart. That's the truth of it. And it's a percentage, so it's even for everybody. So if you make a dollar, it's 10 cents. If you make $100, it's $10. If you make more, you can figure out the percentages. It's a pretty easy one to do. It's, a pr- it's, it's fair for everybody. And what's interesting is something that I ran across this week as I was studying on this. I'd never seen this before, or if I had, I'd forgotten, that the number 10 in the Bible actually represents a number of testing. There are several resources that talk about this, and uh, I want us to take a test. And again, I want everybody here to participate. So, question number one, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Those plagues were of testing. Uh, Let's answer together. How many? Ten. Very good. Oh, you're doing well. Very good. All right. Question number two, how many commandments were given to Moses? Ten. Oh, yes. You're doing great. You're doing awesome. I I think we got a a sharp class here. Number three, you may not know this, but there is a theme. I'll just give you a a little hint. How many times did Jacob's wages change in Genesis chapter 31? Ten. Ten. Very good. How many days was Daniel tested in the early part of Daniel? Ten. Ten. That's right. You're doing awesome. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Oh, yeah, I love it. How many days... Uh, of testing are mentioned in Revelation 2 for the church of Smyrna. Ten. Oh, I love it. Number seven, how many disciples did Jesus have? Come on. Almost 100%. Maybe we'll do better second service. (laughs) There were 12 disciples, just in case you're away. But listen, when it comes to tithing, tithing is a test. And what's interesting is that God, he tests us Are we going to honor him? But we can also test God. How many have ever been in a class situation and the teacher gives you a test and as you're taking the test, you're thinking, I bet if my professor or if my teacher took this test, he wouldn't even pass this. How many have ever been there, right? Yeah, right? Well, listen, we can give God the same test. We test God in this area. God says, see if my word is true. God wants to bless you and to rebuke the devourer, so he tests us to see if we will worship and honor him with 10% and believe that 90% blessed is better than 100%. Now, the question that comes up 
all the time when, about this topic is, Pastor, are we under the law or are we under grace? And I think it's a good question because the New Testament says that we are not under the law. Amen? Well, we're under grace, and there is some truth to that. But the way, when it comes to this idea of tithing, the principle of tithing goes way back before the law, and we're going to see that in just a second. It is seen throughout the law, and it's seen after the law in a land of grace as well. And that leads us to the second thing. Not only is tithing a test, but tithing is biblical. And you need to know this. It's straight in Scripture. And I want to say, now, if you're not a tither, if you have struggled in this area, you're not a bad person. I don't think that you're necessarily rebellious. But let's look at some scriptures and see what God says. Now, uh, we're going to flip through some of these. We're going to flip through some quicker than others. But let's start in Genesis chapter 14. Now, as you turn there, and I hope I hear all those pages flipping, right? All right, good. Uh, We've seen in Genesis the call of Abraham. Abraham and Lot separate, and then Abraham actually goes back, rescues Lot. And uh, what I want you to see here is what we're about to read is over 500 years before the law was given to the Israelites, all right? So this was before, and just to remind you, Galatians says that Abraham is our spiritual father, all right? And so I think that's important context. But Genesis chapter 14, start in verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting, some, as I was studying this, they say, hey, that's a picture of Christ, right? Right in the, New, uh, in the Old Testament, a uh, picture of communion, the Lord's Supper. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abraham. Now, I want to pause here for a second. Uh, when you flip to and look in Hebrews, uh, and it talks about Melchizedek, there are some that believe that Melchizedek in this circumstance was actually Jesus, that Jesus in the flesh uh, with Abraham, uh, it, it, it's very interesting to study. We don't have the time to get into all of that. But the idea, and he blessed Abraham. He blessed Abram saying this, Blessed by, be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, the deliverer your, and deliver, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave a tenth, of everything to Melchizedek. There was a principle there. Gave him a tenth of everything. Now, flip ahead a couple verses to Genesis chapter 28. In Genesis chapter 28, this is the story where Jacob has his dream and uh, the angel's coming down the ladder, right? It's at Bethel and uh, interesting story there. But verse 20, uh, let's start there actually. Um, it says, then Jacob made a vow after this, after this vision, after this dream, said, if God will be with me and will watch over me on, on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I will return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And, verse 22 is the, the key, this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. He says, look, this is a place where we will remember God. And all of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob's response to this, to this vision is, look, I'm going to establish a place to worship, and I'm going to give back tenth, a tenth of everything. You say, well, is this in the law? Listen, that was 400 years before the law. Very interesting. 
Now, flip ahead to Leviticus chapter 27. At the very end of Leviticus, it's, uh, it's talking about redeeming what is the Lord's. These are the final thoughts, final instructions of this book. And in verse 30, look what it says. It says, a tithe, 10%, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy, that word there is uh, to be set apart. In other words, it, it, this, is, this is the law here. It is holy because it is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. That's why Mal- in Malachi 3, you can say, look, we are, you are robbing from God because it's set apart. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. Uh, flip ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 26. We'll see the pattern continue here. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1. says, When you have entered the land the Lord your, your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settle in it, take some of the first fruits, and next week we're going to talk, or next time we'll talk about first fruits, of all the produce from the soil of the land the, the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. So you take the first fruits, you put it in a basket, and you bring it to where they met to meet the Lord. They brought it to the temple, to the, to the tabernacle. Uh, that, the first fruits, they would bring it to the church. And there's a pattern. These are only a few verses that talk about this. There are others, many others. But then people always say, well, what about Jesus? Now let me ask you a question. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Now, some of you had to think about that, and that's kind of sad. But listen, if Jesus said in the New Testament, in red letters, that you were to tithe, would you do it? I want to take you to a place, Matthew chapter 22. Very interesting verse. This is in a very difficult passage in Matthew. It's the seven woes where, I mean, uh, <laughs> Jesus is laying into the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, uh, and you can see why they're so sad because Jesus is having a field day with them. But listen to what it says in verse 23. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, you give a tenth of your spice, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, some people put tithing first, that that, that was the latter. You should have practiced the latter and neglect, uh, without neglecting the former, uh, the law or the justice, the mercy, and faithfulness. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. Either way, yes, you're supposed to honor justice and mercy and faithfulness, but you're also, he's saying, look, don't forget the tithe. He says you should do that as well. And this is Jesus in the New Testament talking to the leaders there. I say all this to say, look, whether you look at the Old Testament or you look at the New Testament, and really, when you look at the New Testament, we're going to do that in the terms of giving overall. Today's about the tithes. Today's about the test uh, specifically. But when you look at the New Testament, tithing or giving it is a biblical mandate, a pattern, a precedent for you and for me to give 10% back. Now, 
We've said it's a test. We've said that it's biblical, and we've, we've showed you some verses. I want to bring the third thing, is that there is a benefit, that tithing is a blessing. It's for your benefit to tithe. Turn with me to Second Chronicles. This is very interesting. Uh, Hezekiah here is leading in an economic recession in a very, very tough time. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 31. And, uh, and look what it says, uh, starting in verse 4. If you're there with me, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 31, verse 4. He said, He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites so that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So Hezekiah is saying, we'll pause here. He's giving them an order saying, look, you need to honor the, the Levites, which was the house of God, those that were uh, taking care of the church. He says you, to give a portion to the priests, to the Levites, so that they could focus on the law of the Lord. Verse 5, as soon as the order went out, and we're going to come back at that, and we're going to look at that. It's pretty interesting. Listen what happened. The Israelites generously gave their first fruits of their grain. And we're going to talk about first fruits next time. New wine, the oil, honey, and all of the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. So when Hezekiah said, look, bring the first fruits, bring it to the priests, to the Levites, they understood that that, that was the tithe. They brought a tithe, a tenth of everything. Verse 6, the men of Israel and Judah who lived in the town of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of their holy things dedicated to the Lord their God, and they piled them up in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. It really re, uh, it was in regard to the harvest. For a farmer, when their harvest came in, that's when the tithe was due, the first fruits, and uh, so that's what that's about. Verse 8, when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed the people in Israel. And some people stop right there and say, oh man, look, they, you know, they had all this, but look at what verse 9 and 10 say. This is so interesting. Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. He's looking at this pile of stuff that's been brought to the church, and he's saying, what is going on here? He's saying, look, the people must have brought more. Look, he says, and Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered this. Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had an, uh, enough to eat and plenty to spare. Why? Because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. And what's interesting, I could just imagine Hezekiah there with the priests and the Levites saying, what is all of this? Look at all of this giving. And he says, oh, no, no, no. Wait a second. This is just 10%. Go and look at the 90% that the, of what is left. Look how God has blessed the people. I tell you that, and we look at that because there's a promise that tithing is a benefit for you. It will help you. Verse 5 said, as soon as they responded, as soon as they heard, they responded. And I promise you, as soon as you respond and begin to tithe, or as you continue to tithe, it will help you in your life. You will be blessed, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids. Blessings and abundance will flow when you honor God 
first in your life. It's, a tr- it's the truth. Now, I've lived 38, almost 39 years this July. And there are two consistent testimonies that I hear about tithing. Number one, if there are tithers, when I talk with tithers, people that are giving faithfully, that wouldn't think of not doing it, they say, man, I'm blessed. We are blessed. That is consistent. Consistently. In my experience. The second testimony comes from non-tithers. And consistently, I will hear from non-tithers, I cannot afford to tithe. Now, I'm going to share my story. And uh, I don't tell you this out of pride. I was taught as a young man in my house growing up, when I made money, when I got an allowance, my parents made me give a tithe. In my junior high and high school, I actually uh, started my own little business, and my mom said, you're going to tithe on your business. And so I could show you. In fact, it's in my office. I think I've showed you before um, a few years back. Uh, I've got a ledger with every expense, every increase, and when my tithe was paid. It was important in my family. That's the way I grew up. Now, that became uh, my choice later in my high school years. At that point, my parents weren't monitoring that. But when I met Jessica, um, it was important to us that when we got married, we began to tithe. And I can stand before you today, and I'm thankful for this testimony. We have never not tithed our entire lives, for me or for Jessica. Uh, Actually, I don't know about you before you met me. I think I might have saved her. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. She she was a better example than I was in most things. (laughs) That's for sure. But I say that because... Uh, you're looking at a person that is very blessed. My family is blessed. My parents and my grandparents, uh, when my grandparents gave their hearts to the Lord, they decided to honor God. And I will sit and talk with my grandparents in Florida about these topics, about giving or about money. And, uh, and my grandpa will say, oh, every time that plate comes by, I'm putting something in. And, uh, and they, they said, man, you can never outgive God. And that's the heritage that I have grown up in and lived in. And we are blessed. Now, we're not perfect by any means, but What is really unfortunate is that my story, our story, is not necessarily the norm. There are a lot of people that are on and off with tithing or just off altogether. And in Dave Williams' book, uh, The Power of How to Get Wealth, it's interesting, he talks about people learning the hard way. These are real testimonies of people that he Uh, that he talked about, listen to what it says, and I would just read a couple of these. He says, I know a man who was out of work. He thought he couldn't afford to tithe, so he didn't. Then he heard the message that God will bless him uh, when he tithes and will multiply his giving back to you. He says he started tithing and two weeks later went to work at a well-paying job. I would say, oh, that's awesome, right? Well, after a couple months, he quit tithing in order to buy some extra things for his house. Soon he received a layoff notice and was again out of work. His situation quickly worsened, and soon he was in serious debt. That's an individual that learned the hard way. Another one, a cattle farmer, was a dedicated tither, and God continually blessed his business. One month, the farmer decided to withhold his tithe to buy some new equipment and to, buy, er, and to pay some bills. Right after he withheld the tithe, 
It was discovered that the cows had eaten PBB, which is some sort of poison, and had to be destroyed, had to be uh, taken and uh, no benefit. He had no insurance and was headed towards financial ruin when he called for counseling. The first thing the counselor told him was to begin tithing again. Another story, someone that had to learn the hard way. A couple more. One day, a woman called my office. She said that her husband and her insisted that they quit tithing. After they stopped, and this is a true story, their brakes went out, their car engine broke down, their water heater went on the blink, and a whole list of other annoying disasters began to occur. Wow, one more. I had an older couple publicly give a testimony that surprised the entire church. Their cottage up north, northern Michigan, burned down. They lost everything, the furniture, the antiques, the books, the entire structure, total loss. The wife stood up in church on a Wednesday evening and made this statement, and I want you to listen. It says, we are big hypocrites. My husband and I have been coming on Wednesday evenings acting like great Christian people, but we've been skipping church on Sundays in order to work on our cottage. On top of that, we've been withholding our tithes to buy materials for the cabin, and now it's all gone. She and her husband had lost everything overnight. And then Dave Williams says this, God will rebuke the devourer for the person who tithes. I believe that. You see, 90% of your income will go farther than 100% when you tithe. There's some people, my guess even here, that are not living according to God's way in this. And it's detrimental. It is tough. The truth is, you will never be able to afford to tithe. Say what? You will never be able to afford to tithe because tithing is what rebukes the devourer. It comes before God standing for you. As soon as you get a hold of this principle, tithing begins to safeguard your life. Now, it doesn't mean that things will be perfect. Um, in fact, just this week, um, I went to go rotate my tires, and they said, oh, no, we're not rotating your tires. One of my tires had one thirty-second left on it, and the others had four, and I don't understand that exactly. And I had to buy new tires. I'm saying, I hate that. I mean, 500 bucks, you know, what in the world? And so it's not like it's, you know, it's a guarantee. Listen, but, but you prepare for those things. But some people in this whole conversation, they say, well, does it really matter? Does it really matter to God? And I want to say that I do believe that it matters to God. And I heard an illustration this week that, it was, that I want to share with you. I want to kind of reproduce the illustration here. And I, I'm going to need uh, three volunteers, uh, three brave volunteers. Um, and so um, you're brave. All right, you got one here. All right, good. All right, two. All right, come on up. All right, we need one more. Thank you. Come on up. All right. Okay, we got our three brave volunteers, all right? Uh, just come on up here and stand right here, all right? Now, um, this is just for pretend. This is not reality, okay? So I just, I mean, don't get too excited. Just come on up right up here, all right? And uh, let's, let's go this way and uh, this way here for, all right. All right. Corbin, how old are you? 17, 17 years old. I'm going to be leaving for about six months out of the country. Okay. But I'm, I, want, I want to bless you. I'm going to give you, for the next six months, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. Right. Does that sound okay? That sounds 
But when I give that to you, I want you to take care of my wife. I want you to give her $1,000 every month. Does that sound fair? Okay, same thing. All right. I've been going out of town for six months, and I'm going to give you $10,000. And I, all I want you to do is every month, when you get that $10,000, when it's drafted, I want you to honor my wife, Jessica. And, I, and I, are you willing to do that? It sounds like a pretty good deal. Same thing, Jim. No, nothing, nothing different here. Um, I'm going to go out of town for six months, and I'm going to give you $10,000 right into your account. But when I do that, will you give $1,000 to my wife to care for my wife? Okay, sorry, Jess. I'm going to be gone for a while. <laughs> so I get out of town, and I report, and I call up Pastor Pete, and I say, hey, will you check on how these guys are doing for me? And after three months, I come back, and uh, Corbin and is doing great, and uh, the report from Pastor Pete is that Corbin, every single month, first three months, $1,000 right to Jessica. Good job. Really awesome. Awesome. And uh, the next month, and you're going to kill me, but your name is escaping me. Savannah. Savannah. Oh, my gosh. It's like, it's like right here. Savannah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that's happened before, and it's just like a mind thing. I don't know. But Savannah, oh, Savannah, the report, I said, Pastor Pete, how's Savannah doing? He checks up on Savannah. Savannah not only gives 1000 but she gave $2,000 every month to my wife. Interesting. Jim, so sorry, man. <laughs> I, when I called Pastor Pete and said, hey, how's Jim doing? He gave, gave him $10,000, and uh, Pastor Pete reports back, well, the first month he gave $700. The second month he gave $400, and the last month, he didn't give anything. So, this is my wife, Jim. This is my wife. Now, this illustration is to show that it may be that tithing is more personal to Jesus than it is than we may think right off the top. Because what's going to happen here? If this was the real reality... I'm going to cut Jim off, and I'm going to probably bless these guys even more. Wouldn't that be the, the truth if you were in my shoes? You say, well, would God really do that if we just, you know, well, just read the parable of the talents. What did God do? He took the extra from the, from the third and gave it and blessed. Now let's give our uh, volunteers a hand. All right, good job. Because what we're going to see this morning is that these three individuals represent a biblical truth. See, Jesus said, I am going away for a while, right? But while I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. You say, my wife? What does God call the church? It's the bride of Christ. Could it be that tithing may be more personal to Jesus than we think. I don't know. It's a test. It's a test. And church, and I say this to every single person here, and I don't know who gives, who doesn't give, I don't want to know, but I can say it within your eyes to every single one of you here, you need to pass this test. Children need to pass this test. Teenagers, adults, seniors, 
you need to pass this test. And what we've done and what we're going to continue to do over these next several weeks, in particular with this series, is we are gonna, we've created some room at the end of service to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? And see, what can happen a lot of times in church is we can hear a great message and we can be challenged and even maybe be convicted and then we leave and we walk out and we say, all right, that was nice and we don't put it into action. We want to help you to put it into action. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. If you are, I certainly don't want you to feel condemned if you struggle in this area. See, I struggle in different areas. I've never struggled in this area, but I could, and I have shared, there are a lot of areas that I struggle. But I do want you to be challenged, to be convicted lovingly. And I do want you to do it God's way. And some of you are thinking, man, I don't know how in the world that could even happen. I would say this, you can change your lifestyle sell something if you have to but honor God and God will give it back to you it's for your good this is for your good now with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed this morning I want to talk about the salvation piece here for a moment say well this wasn't a salvation message and I get that but before we bring anyone forward, I want to ask you here this morning, if you're here and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're far away from God, you need to honor God. You need to repent. You need to accept Jesus, accept His forgiveness this morning. And if you're here this morning and you're away from God or you've never served God, I want to challenge you to surrender your life to Jesus. And if that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Who here this morning, first service, saying, man, I'm away from God. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus in my life. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? First service here. Just take a moment as you're thinking, saying, boy, if I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd be going to heaven. Listen, if you're here today and you need Jesus, I want to pray for you. Anyone at all? First service. All right. With your eyes continually be closed, head bowed. I want every single person here to make the commitment today to not rob God. To honor God with your life. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a worship song together and these altars are going to be open and certainly there are going to be people that are going to come to repent and say God help me but there will also be people that there is something else in their life see there's something healthy about coming to an altar on a regular basis to kind of center your life and I'm going to challenge even the most mature believers need time at the altar and I want to challenge us today that as we worship that we'd find ourselves here on our knees or we'd worship God and you say do I have to move no you don't have to you could turn around in your seat and pray or you could stand and worship where you are I get that but I want to challenge you to really seriously consider stepping out and moving forward and answering this question God 
What are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me today? I'm going to ask that you stand now. And as we begin to worship, these altars are going to be open. I'm going to challenge you to come. Let's spend some time together. And we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to meet our needs. And maybe there's something in your life that's pressing. Maybe it's something totally related to, uh, not related to money. And uh, I want you to come. I want you to come. Find yourself at the altar. We've made room at the end of the service intentionally for that. Let's respond. Lord, I pray in these next moments, Lord, that you capture our hearts. As we move, as we spend time in your presence, God, I pray that you continue to speak to us and that it would go from our head to our heart to our actions. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Come on.